Hey, this is Bob Lee, and you're listening to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn, the world's game from an American perspective. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn, joined alongside media executive Grail Hallett and OTV producer and Syria Ah specialist Sam Griswold. Our big game tonight is the U.S. men's team takes on Honduras in the CONCACAF Nation League semifinals it's a uh, very confusing all these tournaments but we talked to mike Hoytola about it he's our guest today uh, but tonight's game the, the game actually really means something so as they uh you know so we bring in our big guns one of the senior editor over at soccer american mike Hoytola. so guys uh mixed bag the other night with the u.s against the swiss which uh, we talked to mike about ad nauseum basically and we'll get to that as i said in a little while um but let's talk about moving forward as well. We've got Honduras tonight. Uh, but before we do that, we can talk about a little Champions League, MLS, Ancelotti, lots of things going on. But before we do, what are you guys over today on Over the Ball? Uh, Sam, you up first? Yeah, sure. I'll go. Um, I'm over fans looking like, you know, they've just lost a loved one when their team is losing a game. It's late. There's maybe three <laughs> minutes to go. And then all of a sudden the Jumbotron camera lands on them and they come to life and are miraculously cured and happy again. Everybody wants to be famous. Sam. Much Everybody like a player who to... is fouled, Sam, who rolls eight times and then as the play goes on, decides that he is in fact okay. This is, this is, you know, the, this is the sports center, uh, effect on most people. They just like, once they get on camera, like, what's up, how's it going? I saw a great little video. I don't know where it was. I think maybe on uh, Instagram or something, but a kid who's about 12 years old is a goalkeeper. He stops a penalty kick and then he picks up the ball, turns around, walks into the net and yells at the opposing fans like, yeah, what's up? He basically scored a goal for the other team as he brought the ball into the net. Uh, just because he was looking at a sports center moment. So uh, everybody wants to be on television. I know we're going to talk about this a little bit later too, but it's, you know, I feel like the Jumbotron effect is still new to European soccer where we're maybe a little more used to it. It's more of a novelty over there still. Yeah, exactly. And people are not as boisterous uh, on camera as Americans are. I learned that back in 98, you know, in France, with like trying to talk to the English on camera and you would think you were, there was a gas leak going on. They were just so un enthusiastic and nervous but i have a buddy whose daughter young daughter is like this really quiet little church mouse um you know she's like oh unicorns and rainbows and all she's so quiet she barely talks she whispers to her dad we were at a knicks game a couple years ago the jumbotron came on this little girl lost her mind crazy like what's up hi you know you know it was, it was unbelievable it was ridiculous so um grail what are you over well, I'm I'm over um, Everton having to start over again, um, and we'll get into the Ancelotti thing a little bit later. But uh, I just feel like they finally arrived in a you know they've had they've had many good managers over the years, but Ancelotti seemed to have a real love affair with the city, and um, and now he's decided to go to Real Madrid, and I just I feel sorry for that community because I felt like they really um, connected with him he connected with them there was a good thing going and now after two seasons he's gone and they got to start over again so all right i tell you what i'm over guys i'm over not working uh, on the road i have not missed traveling so much because i just kind of like my new life here out in la and uh you know a little pool and a hot tub i got my dog uh, you know the amount of days i spend on the road are absolutely absurd but i do head out on the road this week tomorrow I go to nice. Nantucket to, to start working on the Nantucket Comedy Festival, which is July 15th to the 17th. And then uh, the following week, I, I'm off to the Borgata. 
First of all, I'm off to my mother's 88th birthday party. Uh, my mother, who's just amazing, uh, she lives down in Florida and in Connecticut. So she said the other day, I said, what are you doing, mom? You know, because uh, she's getting out there again. She's been vaccinated and everything. She said, I'm helping an elderly couple move. She's 88. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, how old are these people? Like 111? 11, my God. So anyway, I'm at the Borgata. Uh, in Atlantic City, which is a really nice casino, believe it or not. You know, casinos sometimes can be like, you know, stationary cruise Depressing. ships. But, but the Borgata is a lot of fun. I'm there uh, June 13th and 14th, and then 17, 18, 19, uh, 20. I head, I head back to uh, Los I like Angeles, this. Now so. that you're back at work, Flinny, this is almost like when Bill Maher is promoting his appearances on real time at the end of the show. I'll be at Caesars from so-and-so. So we absolutely guys, let's so, do this. And, and you know what? It sometimes makes a difference. Sometimes it doesn't. I remember I used to work in Portland, Maine, and they'd have you get up at 530 in the morning, a stand-up comic, mind you. Get up at five thirty in the morning, and go do seven radio interviews in the morning. Five were in one building, and then you had to go somewhere else across town and do two more. And I used to say at the shows, the shows would be sold out anyway because it was a great club, the Comedy Connection in Portland, uh, Maine. And I'd say in the clubs, I'd be like, "How many people heard me on the radio this morning?" One person. I'm like, great. I'm glad I got up at 5:30 in the morning to just, you know, push the show. And nobody, everybody bought tickets anyway. So, all right, guys. So uh, the Swiss U.S. Swiss match, uh, mixed bag a bit. We're going to talk about it a bunch with, as I said, with Mike Oitola. So we won't go too into it. Yeah. But yeah, I was just happy that they had a team of substance to play against, and um, it didn't mean anything. It was a friendly, but I think we learned a lot from it. Uh, yeah, that, that was exactly about? my take, Flinny. I mean, they're ranked 13th in the world. It was a legitimate opponent instead of a powder puff. And uh, so, yeah, it's a measuring stick game. I thought it was good. I thought a good first half, not as good a second half. And uh, But overall, th this is what we need. We need to be playing teams like this. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but here's my beef with you and the powder puff comment. It's sort of like you thought Wales was a powder puff. You they are a powder, a powder puff. puff. Well, that would make us a powder puff then, I would think. If, if the Welsh... Or, or a powder puff? What does that make us? Well, I'm just saying I would like to I would like to play more games where we play up to the competition because that to me tells me more about where we are versus when we beat Jamaica five nil. I just don't. But uh, Jamaica has beaten us in the past. Jamaica has qualified for World Cups. Jamaica has played quite well. They have a lot of guys in the pros. I mean, it's it's you know that's a little island. This is what America you know deals with over 300 million people. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, by the way, I'm not picking on Jamaica. I'm just saying in terms of the quality of their team. I just, this is all positive. I love that we played Switzerland. It's okay. a positive. Well, I, I played with some Jamaicans, man. Do not, do not belittle them. They, 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 they play well. They play it. hard, I love my man. Jamaican friends, believe me. So, uh, so I guess, Sam, you missed the game because it wasn't an Italian, apparently. Uh, so you didn't Basically, watch but it. I, I did want to get your guys' take on one thing. Um, I was reading a little bit and saw this article in the Philadelphia Inquirer uh you, know, you get around griswold you get around he's scanning the world's newspapers you gotta do what you can he's like the uh, presidential briefing every morning he gets <laughs> anyway there's an article by jonathan tannenwald which is basically summed up in the title which is for the first time in years the u.s men's soccer team is a big deal again and i don't quite know how i feel about that so i'm just putting yeah. it out there is he right are Bas people really paying attention one to the national team and two to nations league right Based now go ahead bro. yeah no I, I just say i'm i'm um i'm not sure what he means by that because i i don't think there's any more focus if, if the u.s team develops some real momentum 
their stars start getting promoted more, I think there will be some nice, you know, uh, yeah. momentum. But right now, I yeah, I, I'm not well, feeling look, it. Guys, first of all, if you're saying that, you know, all these, I don't know, there's, again, a mixed bag because we have some good, young, exciting players that are playing in the top leagues no in the doubt. world. All right. This is the big difference from where we were. Uh, you know, three or four years ago, right? So when the calamity of not qualifying for the World Cup happened, that was a huge black eye. Um, what made it worse was the, the apples and oranges comparison with the women's team, which which always drives me nuts. But if you're saying uh, the women play all these friendlies, which are tough to get excited about after a while, they're just like exhibitions. It's like the Harlem Globetrotters just traveling around the world, playing these defenseless teams. Uh, but what we have with the U.S. team is as the U.S. team does well, Everybody else benefits, uh, including the women's team. So I yeah. think the reason we've had a lot of controversies, the men's team has done so poorly, did not qualify for the World Cup. You got the women winning on the other end. You got ignorant people not knowing the difference between the two levels of play uh, and competition. But now we have exciting players. We have playing for real results in real tournaments. You know, you got the Gold Cup. You got the game tonight. You got the World Cup qualifying. We got a lot of really important soccer coming up. And we have a good little team here yeah. that we think might might do something. So, and if we can I, quali- I if we can qualify, it all goes to the next level, right? That right, gen- right. because I don't care how many good young players you have, if you don't qualify, none of it means anything. We got to you know, get I, to that next step, right? So, I do think it is a big deal, and I think uh, COVID has just exacerbated that whole thing. It's just, it's the multiplier effect of just the inability to watch players. You know, we've talked about this before on the show where, you know, uh, older players, Michael Bradley and uh, Josie Alto would sort of bleed out classically in, uh, you know, be sort of phased out of the program and you'd, you'd, you'd feather in the new players. But because of this odd, you know, world circumstance that we had with this COVID crisis that we just have a new team now. We're looking yeah. at these guys. I'm still like, I, I have to do a little bit of due diligence on, on who some of these players are. I'm like, wait a minute, who, where, where, what, you know? So uh, this is, this is healthy. And when this happens, excitement builds, not from yeah. people like us who are the fan base who always watch every game, but people who are on the, who are tangentially sort of interested in what's happening. And I think a lot of people, after COVID, they got to watch a lot of soccer. There was not a lot of sports on television. So I think I think we're in a good place yeah. as Americans. And you have five or six legitimate players around which you can build a really good team. That's a very exciting. Yeah, but before we had Landon, we had to depend on or, yeah. or you know, or Dempsey and just like a single player or two. Yeah. And even before COVID, we were just worried about Pulisic. You know, he, he was this great player, but he was a little thin and, and did he have the experience and too much mm-hmm. was put on his shoulders. Now you got a bunch of young cocky players and they have an American swagger to them. And I really like that. And I think the sky's the limit with these guys. It really, uh, it really is. But, you know, Sam, you know, you'd send a couple notes about the sort of patronizing, condescending sort of tone that foreign journalists take when they're talking about the United States. It's like they're just placating us with saying, saying, you know, oh, it is a big American audience. We know it's big. We're all talking with an accent and we're going to talk to you about your game here. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, if, if we're going to turn to the Champions League broadcast, which I, I guess is a good place to start. I mean, um, I... I, you know, this was a huge moment for U.S. soccer, obviously, having a men's player in the final um, in Pulisic. Yeah. I just thought 
I, I just found it a little odd that, you know, it was for three English people and Roberto Martinez who like, and none, none of these people I have a problem with. They're all great commentators, great analysts, etc. but that they're like acting like they're really excited about it. Um, and then, you know, when Pulisic comes in the game, the announcers too saying, you know, what a big moment for American soccer and, you know, what great pride for Hershey, Pennsylvania. And part of me thinks like, do, do you even know where like Hershey is? Could you point out Pennsylvania on a map? And right. I know, you know, maybe I'm, I'm being some word, but um, I, I don't know. To me, it felt like a little, a little bit patronizing and um I don't know. I mean, I, I think back to like, you know, uh, Univision, which shows all these soccer games. Right? Um, right. I've never heard a Spanish from Spain accent on that channel ever. Right. I hear Latino Spanish because it's geared towards a Latino Sp Spanish audience. Um, right, right, right. Makes sense to me. And uh, to me, I don't know, you know, this may not be a perfect comparison, but um, it's almost like let's pretend like the New York Yankees were the first team to televise all their games on their own network on the Yes Network, which I don't I don't know that this is the case. And then someone in L.A. was like, that's a good idea. We should do that. Like, let's have an L.A. Dodgers broadcast. And then the Yankees right. said, well, no, we'll just we'll send our guys out to do your broadcast. And they said, well, why can't we do it? Like, it's our team like that. And then we'll bring our point of view to it. Well, we've been doing it for a long time. Like, we know how to do it. So we'll just. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, a couple things there. First of all, yeah. uh, the bravery that you showed just now with an English accent. I truly appreciate I, that. That had a surprise you, Grail. Did it not? Sam doing uh, an English uh, accent? Was, it was like, like, well, first of all, like... I just want to clarify. I love the English <laughs> accent. I have no yeah. problem at all with the coverage of this game, but I just go back to the same thing. It's like back in the day, if you wanted to watch the FA Cup final, you could pay $20 and watch it on pay-per-view and you would just get the British broadcast. And it just right. feels like that's what we're getting. Except someone's like, oh, just remember to mention that that American kid is playing. Well, yeah, it's patronizing. I think it's a PR like kind of pitch. Well, they paid and, uh, millions and millions of dollars for the rights to do that. So they're not going to well, be it, having somebody else's broadcast. Well, no, no. But Girl, why, but why his, not, his point though? is, why not an American voice on the American game? That's what he's okay, saying. Well, 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 like, okay. Be, well, because, uh, wait, wait, though. My, my point is saying, like, they have they have constantly thrown at us authentic, right? So yeah. what's authentic as far as soccer? Is it the English because they invented the game? They certainly haven't perfected it. Many would argue the Germans or Brazilians did that, right? But so what is the authentic game? So what he's saying is, here we have, uh, if I was sitting on that broadcast, were there any one of us that would say, like, hey, Pulisic's a player. He's been in the Premier League for a couple of years. Relax, yeah. everybody. Uh, we got a lot of other players coming well, up as well. Well, Cantor was the biggest cheerleader for Pulisic, and he's a American last time I looked, I believe, right? So Andre? He, he, Andre? Yeah. yeah, he is. Okay, okay. He yeah, was yeah. he was cheerleader number one for Christian Pulisic. So let's start mm -hmm. there. Champions League is okay. an international event. Okay, so I have no problem with having a cross-section of people. For MLS soccer, I totally agree with you. Should there be more Americans doing wait, MLS? Wait. Yeah, there should be. Champions League, the Euros. Okay, let's. I'd love to t ask Bob Lee about this. In the Euros which ESPN covers and the world cup, you have a diversity of people covering the games because they're international events. The champions league is an international event. It's not an American event. Now CBS, okay. CBS paid a boatload of money for it. Five hours of, of coverage. Of course they pushed Pulisic and they asked their people on air to push Pulisic. Roberto but Martinez, in an inauthentic way, in an inauthentic way, because they're commenting like they don't know, they don't know what we're doing well, here. To Sam's point, and Sam, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't, I don't see why it's inauthentic. Just, 
is. Okay, go Because ahead. there's not an American voice there talking about an American player. Sure, it's an international event, but if you go to Belgium and you listen to their Euro coverage, their, yeah. their Champions League coverage, there's not, there's not five different nationalities sitting on that. They're Belgians that are talking about that game. Now, I'm not saying that we should have five Americans. I'm saying we should have one, Grail. You had Cantor. Yeah, but he's but he's Honestly. like in the stadium with his mic. I mean, you know, during the actual broadcast, having a guy in the booth or in the actual studio where you had the four people at the desk. I mean, I well, would just like a little you more. You can add an American voice. That's that's yeah. no problem at all. But again, I I don't find it for Roberto Martinez or any of them to be pushing Christian Pulisic because they work for the network that wants to push Christian Pulisic. I mean, that's yeah. what you do. You're hired by the network. They wanted uh, to focus on the American side of the story. And again, you guys always want us to push more of the American story. I know you didn't, maybe you didn't want them to push the American story, but that five hours was pushing the Christian Pulisic story hard because they want to get the average fan excited. Yeah. The average American fan. To me, yeah. 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 Well, it was like, it was an emotional moment to see Pulisic come into the game. And I would have just liked to you know it was like wow like this is really meaningful and really impactful and hearing you know it come from an english commentator was kind of like well is it really to you i i don't know and you know maybe i'm, I'm being unfair but um you know i think it's exciting i agree i agree know. sam I, I yeah you know i mean um i mean if john champion announced christian Pulisic coming into a game or something and he was excited i would take john champion for like on his word that he was excited. Yeah, but I, but I, I yeah I get that. But I think you know it would have been better if John like let's say it was John and Taylor Twelman. He John would probably say, "Wow, what an amazing moment for American soccer!" Like Taylor, tell us like what this means to you as an yeah, American and how player you got an there. And, and, and look, yeah. I th- I think some of the some of the cultural stuff is sort of bullshit needs to be called out. You know, like for instance, Pulisic from the Chelsea fans got a hard time for putting an American shirt, a uh, U.S. national team shirt on over his Chelsea shirt. Yeah. You get a picture of his pants. But I want to I want to hear an American comment on that to say like, well, that's an English tradition. Yeah, well, it's not one here. And uh, we well, really first proud. of all, that was a few Chelsea fans. And there are always going to be people on social media who were pissed off about something. You know, I mean, that's I, I rolled my eyes at that and said, the guy's posing with his parents, for God's sakes, who cares? I mean, m- most most supporters, I would say, could give a you-know-what about that. But there are always going to be a few who object. Anyway, I thought overall, guys, it was, look, I thought I th- it was a five-hour broadcast. Was it all good? No. There was a, mm-hmm. there were a lot of segments where I was like, I didn't need that. Did you watch all five hours? No, I came oh. in and out of it, so I saw enough of the different flavor of what they okay. were doing. But I thought yeah. that CBS Network to dedicate five hours on a Saturday was was mm-hmm. impressive. I like yeah. that. Absolutely, that's not what yeah, we're complaining you know, yeah, about. And, I, and, I think and, Sam and, and I are complaining about an American. No, voice. and again, and again, right. I, 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 and if Andres Cantor is the American voice, it, you know, no, it would have been great if it was if more of it was coming from more American voices. I'll give you that. Yeah. But the bottom line is. CBS was heavily promoting an American player for a long part of that broadcast. And then when he came on during the game, they made a big deal about it. So I think that's all good. That's all mm. positive. All right. And, and you yeah. know, again, to Sam's point, Zach yeah. Steffen was not going to get on that pitch. And so I, I, I was glad they didn't make too, too much of that one uh, because I love the fact that Zach is there playing yeah. under Pep, uh, learning, what, you know, uh, some of the best there and he's obviously improved with his feet which we i'll share about. the ratings next time i was hoping to have him for for this show but i think they're they're actually coming out on friday so it'll be interesting to see 
what kind of ratings they did on on CBS, you know? Um, I am too, because like, look, here it is. Again, just like the play against Switzerland was a mixed bag. My feelings about the broadcasting is mixed bag because I was so happy that we were able to watch those games covered so well. Yes, in America, this is fantastic. All these games we get to see coming on the great Champions League, great Premier League that was, you know, wrapped up. This is all great, great news. And our young kids are watching these people play. What we do need to see now is our authentic voice. I keep going back to this. So I want to move on. But I just like I want to see our authentic voice on this thing. I want to see our players play and I want to see our broadcasters broadcast. And just like we used to depend on a Dempsey or, or a Donovan, we're only depending upon, we, you know, we had all of our, our chips on, on Rob Stone and Alexi. And then, and you know, what's another thing that I think is interesting. I wanted to comment on all of these people move from broadcast to broadcast. There's no yeah. like CBS team. There's no, there's no, there was no TNT team. Fox it's nature TV. of broadcasting funny. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the contracts expire and guys move that, that, that whole hockey team from NBC sports network is going to end up at Turner and ESPN. That's just the way it works. And I got to say one thing about our friend, Taylor Twelman. love Taylor, love his insights. He has to learn to stop telling his story when there is action in the the (laughs) offensive third of the field, when there is a skull scoring opportunity, you know, the one, the big difference is good stories, good stuff, tighten them a little bit. I don't know if he gets his feedback, but tighten them a little bit and time them. It's like timing your run, man. You know, it's like, I, I found myself going like, hey man, they're in the box right now. Shut up. That's a good story, but I want to hear it in a little bit. Yeah. Thoughts? <laughs> yeah. All right. Taylor's not going to talk to me now. He's going to be pissed. So. <laughs> I think that, look, I think the best host that's ever been on um, any of the big tournaments is Bob Lee. I think for the yeah. Euros and for the World Cup, there was no better, nobody better than Bob. And then he surrounded himself with international people, but he was the face of the coverage. I got to tell you, I've lined up some interviews with some some big comics like Jim Gaffigan, Lewis Black, uh, Bill Burr. And so I called Bob and I said, hey, you know, uh, how do you do a great interview? Because this guy, I mean, he has great interviews. And he goes, oh, Kevin, because it's easy. Uh, he goes, uh, you got to prepare. I'm like, oh, OK, well, that's not going to happen. So let me think of something else. Uh, but, you know, he was always prepared. He's a real professional. So yeah. I, I've watched him prepare for some of those games. He goes, you know, that's why sometimes he won't come on the show because he, if he doesn't know what, he, what we're going to talk about, he's not going to, you know, it doesn't, doesn't stop any of us from talking about shit right. we don't know anything about. But uh, so the Champions League, you had to be happy with Chelsea. That's a fantastic turnaround. Uh, I felt bad for Lampard in it a little bit. A little I bit. was very, I was very surprised that, you know, I predicted 3-1 City. I, you know, Pep can be his own worst enemy. I just thought he made yeah. he, he was too clever by half he should have right. gone with the sterling was an odd choice because sterling is not a big match player he just is not he does not have a lot of composure. try to explain that what, what was I, I have no that, idea what they did thinking? sterling hasn't been playing and for good reason so they put him in and then in the bat they just decided to not have fernandinho or uh or Rodri, oh, Rodri playing a holding midfield. So I won't get too technical other than Pep had a lineup that had worked the entire season and he decided to do something else. And it, and I it think, was to I think Chelsea's felt, benefit. Chelsea, I think, kind of has their number. They're not afraid of them. They, they play well. They press. Um, maybe Pep was trying to just sort of change that uh, sort of configuration because, I, I, you know, Sterling – the worst first touch of any you know high end player I've ever seen. Yeah, he's got the touch of a, of a rhino. You yeah. know, but no, uh, I, I, but, I, th- I think Pep just felt that Chelsea was going to sit back, and so he wanted to be more offensive minding. So Gundogan 
was actually playing more like he was playing all over the place instead of playing further up the pitch. And I just thought it was, you know, again, it was just a, an odd choice. And, um, yeah, yeah, and I don't think uh, you know you got to pick Fernandinho. He's got to be in there. He's he's the engine room. You yeah, know, you know. So. I do, I do. I said this last week too. I, I do think it's better for the tournament and for the broadcast when you have teams from different countries. I just oh, I absolutely. Think, yeah, I think I think Chelsea, Man City. You know, for people, you know, for me, you know, it's it's kind of interesting. But for most other people, it's just good bringing in other other cultures. It just adds yeah, to exactly the like a Liverpool Real Madrid setup there. But yeah, um, exactly. and plus the fact that they've played three you know, played a couple of times recently has been, uh, couldn't have helped. So uh, a swan song for Sergio Aguero. Uh, I think he got, he probably came in a little too late. Didn't get much of the ball when he came in. Yeah. Um, but what are your thoughts about, well, Aguero and Ronaldo seem to be moving on. So uh, Sam, where do you think Ronaldo's going to wind up? Well, yeah, it's not clear yet if Ronaldo's going to leave. Um, he's got a, well, I mean, he gets rumored to be joining everybody all the time, you know, man. I saw one thing PSG. they were, they were moving. They're moving his cars or something. Uh, oh, I didn't see car that. Car Madrid. Yeah, oh, they moved, maybe. They, they drove yeah, yeah, his yeah. car 16 hours to Madrid, part of his car collection. Well, he just opened a luxury hotel in Madrid, so so yeah. who knows? But yeah, Real gets mentioned. Man United get mentioned. PSG get mentioned. Sporting, his you know first uh, club in Portugal, get mentioned. MLS is not no. always that's, the that's next. two years off that's, that's two uh, years off i don't know i think for juve's sake it would be good if he did leave i've said many times i don't you know he scored a ton of goals and i think he'll continue to score at a at a high clip wherever he goes but i just think considering how little he defends how little he tracks back any team that takes him is basically saying we're building our entire team around you are you are you like comparing him to sort of an early michael jordan where you know you're putting up points but you're not necessarily playing a, a, a team kind of ball uh, possibly. I don't really remember early Michael Jordan. Um, oh, but isn't that wonderful? Isn't that cute? Grail? <laughs> although, although, although he's 36. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, an he's 36. He, That's he, right. He's the elder statesman of those, you know, Messi's 34, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, well, isn't 36, yeah. the new 32, maybe because these guys actually well, take care I mean, of he's, he's in really good shape and I, I'm sure he can shape. play at a, at a high level, but you know, it, for years, it seemed like the, the easy way to explain the difference between Ronaldo and Messi was that Messi was more of a team player and yeah. Ronaldo was more of right. an individual. And I think you're finally seeing that like play out. Um, you know, I always cite Ibrahimovic going to Milan and really making that team better. In addition to scoring a lot of goals, Ronaldo scored a ton of goals, but hasn't made the team any better. Yeah. I mean, Ronaldo relies on other people to get him the Service. ball, whereas yeah. Messi is just much mm-hmm. more of a playmaker. And I think the playmaker thing has more longevity, frankly, mm-hmm. than the guy who's playing up top and is waiting for the ball, especially if you lose a step or two. And yeah. he's, he's so explosive. I mean, that's where Ronaldo is just such an explosive player. Yeah. How do you think Aguero is going to do in Barcelona? I think he'll have, I think he's a guy with tremendous pride. He has a point to prove you know, it was handled well by City, I thought, you know, overall. Um, but I'm sure there's a little bitterness there. And he's going to play with his best friend in life since they were kids, Messi. So, I mean, I, I think he's going to have a really good year. I just and they and the odd thing is, is they let Suarez go, who's, you know, a couple years older. But he goes to Atletico. Coleman, for some reason, likes Suarez. He goes to Atletico and helps them win the La Liga title. Suarez was really good for them. And he left with uh, under bad circumstances. Yeah, so it was, it was kind of odd. They're bringing in a an, uh, semi-older guy, but I, I, I think uh, Aguero's going to do well. 
All right. Um, one more uh, news item I want to just touch upon before we get on to our interview with Mike Bortola, senior editor at Soccer America. Um, this whole MLS, you know, Grail, we have been talking about the MLS franchise in Miami since we were on Sirius XMFC. Um, you know, so it's been breaking an ongoing thing. Yeah, it was ago. Beckham. And we talked about what a great... What a great businessman Beckham was and everything. Well, wow, look at the hires they have. It's uh, some some Barcelona-level corruption right yeah. away. Uh, let's talk about it a little well, bit. Well, I mean, you know, part of Beckham's original deal with the LA Galaxy was Garber, I think, promised him that he was going to be in on a franchise, MLS franchise on, of his own when he retired. So that was so then it was where it was where was it going to be and then it was Miami and you and I going back to the Sirius XM days have photos of them breaking ground in Miami like eight years ago. So they finally got a club there after all this stuff last year. So they're in year two and there's a massive scandal in terms of like uh, players uh, uh, roster rules and their COO and their managing owner are right in the thick of it. And the, the fine, I mean, this is a big effing deal. Don Garber's got to be just beside himself. So they get, the team gets fined $2 million. The owner gets fined 250,000. The former COO, who I guess has been sacked, uh, is suspended through the end of 2022. They, they, they reduce their allocation for players moving forward for the next couple of years. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's just unbelievable. I mean, they, cause they were like the, 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 the child of like Don Garber, like this is going to be that we're going to make it work for, for uh, Beckham. And then this happens. It's just, it's an embarrassment. Well, you know, funny, you know, you're the business guy on, on this uh, show. So it was sort of always interesting to me, like players wanted to go to Miami to South Beach and hang out. That's like LeBron headed down there originally. But if you look at it marketing wise, it, boy, they do not have a good track record down there. In fact, the Latinos are Dominican generally or Cuban or Puerto yeah. Rican and not soccer playing countries. And yet, you know, they never got fans to the games in earlier incarnations of the sport down there. So, I, you know, I just thought they were trying to force a square. I mean, square Orlando does home. well, to be fair. Orlando does really well. It play, you know, a good team. Different, really different good part of the country. Yeah, totally. Different part I of mean, the state. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. South Florida, as you know, from your from the NASL days, always struggled. So, uh, yeah. again, it was a promise that had to be delivered to Beckham. And I just think it's an embarrassment for him and everybody associated with the franchise. Yeah, but a quick review, by the way, when we were on Sirius XM FC, we were only on the show. For, we were only on air for eight months and we were the number one show on Sirius XM FC. One talk show of the year. Then what happened, Grail? We got called in. We, we thought moved. we were going to get. We, 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 we had a move. We, well, they, they were not. They were unhappy with our success. It was hysterical. And then we go to ESPN. And then ESPN lets all their podcasts go. It was terrible. So now we're here alone on an island, just hanging out. Three of us, three men staring at each other. <laughs> so uh, all right. Well, that's uh, let's let's get to uh, take a break here and then get to our interview with Mike Wojtola, very insightful. Uh, as you know, Soccer America does a breakdown of players. Thought he was a little tough, guys, on some of the players, but, you know, this is this is the new America, man. I love um, his candor. I always yeah, love his I, candor. I love his, yeah. his candor. He's, he's, pretty, he's pretty spot on with most of his, um, his ratings. And I tell you, as a player, um, you know, not much gets by him. So uh, he breaks it down slow. And so uh, it, it's a good review. So we'll we'll talk to him about that uh, coming up on Over the Ball. So stick around. Our interview with Mike Wojtola, senior editor at Soccer America. 
Over the Ball is brought to you by Soccer America. Go to SoccerAmerica.com slash join and sign up for the Soccer America Pro Membership. It's just $4.90 a month or $49 a year. And by Ticket IQ, the simplest and cheapest way to buy tickets. Go to TicketIQ.com. And when it asks for the promo code, punch in OTB10 for $10 off of your purchase. Can't lose. All right, joining us now on Over the Ball, he's a senior editor at Soccer America. We always bring him in when we need some, uh, someone to uh, illuminate what is happening with U.S. men's national team along uh, with other things as well. Just back from a vacation in Puerto Vallarta, Mike Oitola. Welcome back to OTB, pal. How are you? That's great to be back. Um, great to be fully vaccinated for a few months now. Great fully vaccinated. I'm getting cocky with my vaccination now. <laughs> and you know, it's funny thing is we're like supposed to not. We're supposed to keep wearing masks for people who don't want to get vaccinated. It's like, hey, you know what? You guys are on your own at this point. I've stayed in. I've stayed in for a year and a half. I've worn my mask. I've, you know, shot Lysol all over my potato chip bag. It's. Uh, I'm wearing my mask. Now it's your turn. You you want to take your risk? This is a hoax. You have at it, my friend. By, by the way, wasn't uh, Porto Porto Vallarta always the location of the winning oh, cliff diving? No, no, no. The grand prize of the dating game. I always felt like they always went like the winners of the dating game always went to Puerto Vallarta. Well, that you know, could be. I it's famous for uh, and became a tourist destination thanks to the Tennessee Williams movie uh, Night of the Iguana. Well, you know, for those of us who aren't 107 years old, <laughs> the dating game. <laughs> I actually do remember. Mike, no, Mike, are, no Casablanca references on this. Both place. of those are kind of <laughs> aged. Let's get you a little younger here. That's good. Two of the two of the weirdest guests on the dating game. You want to hear them? Yeah. Steve Martin. Steve Martin was a guest on the dating game. Wow. Right? You know, guess who else was? Ted Bundy. Whoa. Was he bachelor game. number one, bachelor number yeah. two, or bachelor? Number two? I don't know, man. But if you win that date, you lose, if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. So hey Mike, um, did you catch the game down in Puerto Vallarta against the Swiss? No, I was back. I was back. I did the report card for Soccer America. Um Yeah, yeah, it, I read that. Soccer interesting America. game. Um I think what I liked about it was you know, the US didn't play great by any means. Um, I thought some guys looked good like Jurena. Um but they really went out there to to win you know um, yeah and i think that that's a that's a good thing no matter what um i, I think bearhalter would rather take some chances and lose a friendly than go out there and uh you know play defensive they they really pushed uh you know they really pressed uh, the defenders um you know they had some la obviously the, the the goals were defense were, were, were some were a little flukish um but um, I thought it wasn't a bad game. Yeah, okay. you know, I, I think, look, they came out and pressed hard. Uh, I think most of us came away thinking formations. Uh, to do that high press in the back, it seemed like, uh, uh, to do that at high press up front, it seemed like they were exposed a little bit in the back, especially when the Swiss started to figure it out. I was, I was impressed by the pressing. I was also impressed by the Swiss composure as they tr they continue to try and break the press yeah the, um, i mean switzerland's a pretty good team number 13 yeah. number that's 13 not your grandfather's switzerland I mean, they have some skillful players um yeah they're gonna be able to play out of the back and and certainly they can you know, the, the counterattack was swift and, and lethal 
Um, and they could have scored a couple others when, when Brooks was, uh, you know, distracted and, and uh, uh, Harvath made a save with his head and a save with his hand. The, um, you know, what I, one thing that I would be kind of interested in is does Bearhalter or the captain, do they send a, you know, a message out there like, okay, let's do this super press for 10 minutes right. and then hey let's lay off for 10 minutes and, and 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 retreat a little bit and you know maybe do things not the exact same way the whole game um yeah but it's you know it's it'll be which is what which is what teams usually do though mike right they usually you know press for a bit and then everybody calls off it almost you know i think so yeah that's sort of standard right um right. but that the the one issue that i guess i would be concerned about is and this happens a lot with American teams. It happened with the with the ill-fated U23 Olympic hopefuls. Yeah. Is just a lack of midfield cohesion, the ability to um, you know control the game in the midfield. So maybe they didn't think they could do it, and that's why they wanted to press and jump on a you know interception or a miscue. But you know that's kind of the, what we ultimately want to see is a midfield that can control the ball, which obviously. Uh, requires passing it around the back as well, but th that yeah. would be the you know the next step I would like to see from this team. Well, we talked about it a little bit in the opening. I liked the there is a cocky swagger with this team that I like. These young guys that they have, they they did get forward, um, they did get forward, which I liked. But uh, yeah, it, it broke that. And I think you were talking about the midfield. Yeah, I thought that's what they lacked the most, especially. Um, you know, I, I think Jackson Ewell, I like him as a player. I'm just not sure at this level. I think it remains to be seen. Yeah, so he didn't. I didn't see much of him. Uh, it looked like he was just sort of trying to defend, um, you know, McKinney, yeah. I think, uh, obviously, you know, has an incredible engine on him and um, certainly, you know, good amount of soccer skills. But maybe he needs um you know more gears in his engine does that work is that yeah, a, yeah. Sure. Came, you know he came alive yeah. a little and, and, a little and i wish he would stop these stupid fouls away in the other team's half but um <laughs> yeah so maybe you know that the, the great playmaking came from 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 or the best playmaking came from geo you know who was kind of playing up and then would wander back a little bit but right um, you know it, it'll be real interesting to see how they do against honduras yeah grail Mike, welcome back from Mexico. Great to have you. Um, Hola, buenos dias. Two-part two question. Uh, don't you think Burhalter sooner rather than later has to arrive at a formation just so the team can really get used to playing that um, as, as they get closer and closer to meaningful competition? And part B, Dest plays right back for Barca. And I'm not saying guys can't switch back and forth, but given the fact that he seems to excel on the right, wouldn't you kind of arrive, like put him there and figure out the left part of the equation? No, and no. Okay. All right. I'm just joking. I, what was the first question? Well, no. I the know. It was, no. it was 40 minutes ago. That's the problem. The, the no, I'm sorry. I'm the, forma the formation. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know if, well, so in the past games, he added a midfielder right and played with three in the back. Um, I mean, I don't know if that's such a big difference. I do think the thing that he, I would focus on is making sure never to get outnumbered in the midfield, mm -hmm. however you do that. Um, but yeah, sometimes maybe, I mean, these guys are, you know, millionaire players. They should be able to, um, 
adjust to a formation from game to game and from the right to the left. So I, I don't know if that's the issue, but although I think there were really good questions, I didn't mean to belittle them at all. I didn't take them. Uh, what, I, what I think is a big factor in, in, in these games and in soccer is that, um, you know, it's a fluid game and opponents are very different. It's, right. yeah, we look at the United States and we see they're definitely, we're definitely improving. And there's definitely more young talent, I think, than we've ever had. And look at Switzerland. Switzerland was not that good 20 years ago. I mean, yeah, you know, they'd show up at a World Cup, but they never really impressed. But Switzerland's gotten better too. Um, so I yeah. think you do have to adjust to the opponent to some extent. And um, I mean, why, you know, after last game with Dest, I would definitely consider switching him back because he kind of, he kind of struggled, didn't he? Yeah, but also so did Reggie Cannon, I thought, and your ratings sort of reflected that. I, I was not impressed with Reggie. I think he's, you know, he's hit or missed, a little hot and cold. So I don't know. It's always in the back. You worry about the, what's in the back, you know, especially if they're pressing like that and on the counter. So, so, so moving ahead, what are we thinking about as we're looking at Honduras tonight? Um, and first of all, hey, so let me ask you this quickly before we get to El Salvador. What is the difference? Explain Nations League, what that is, and, and then which I think people are much more familiar with. Well, so the Gold Cup is um, the Confederation Championship, which would be the CONCACAF uh, equivalent of the European Championship or the uh, Copa America, right? Uh, CONCACAF, right. what a wonderful uh, acronym being the uh, North, uh, Central, and um, America and, and, and uh, the I, Caribbean. I thought it was Kofivi. Kofivi. <laughs> um, <laughs> a, a few years ago, the Confederations created something new both in, in, in Europe and and then eventually in CONCACAF, which was to create basically another a nation's league. They did that in Europe. What it does is it gives more games to um, the lower ranked team in a confederation uh, who wouldn't be getting as many good friendlies. Uh, so what they did was they basically re replaced uh, friendlies with uh, this comp new competition, the Nation League, which is independent of the Gold Cup, and I would—I'm guessing it's about money. <laughs> if you, really, yeah, it if you is, don't know the it? exact answer for a, a, a new competition, that's probably money. Um, so the the downside of that for the U.S. now, obviously, the uh, COVID changed. Let's say if it was a non-COVID era. Um, the downside of this nation league situation is that it made it harder for the U S to play teams outside of the region. On the other hand, the European teams wouldn't have been that available either. Cause they got their own. It's just more and more right. competition. Right. And it's better than friendlies because I think that's my biggest complaint about the, the women's national team. It's just so many friendlies. Well, just, yeah, but I'm okay. So that's different. I think that's a different um, because of the nature of the men's friendlies and the women's friendlies, but I don't think this is great timing to have a right. Nations League and then the Gold Cup. And we've got guys in Europe who, who don't need to play this much. Um, and then we got World Cup qualifying. That's ridiculous. Why do you have three things like that? Um, right. And then, of course, if the U.S. had qualified for the Men's Olympics, then you would have had the player pool stretched over, you know, four and a half, three and a half competitions or, or whatever you will. So I, I don't think it's necessary. I'm, I'm looking forward to the games because Honduras tends to be an interesting team to watch. So, um, yeah. No. And, and so, and so what is the gold cup? You just explain that quickly. Or well, like I just, said, the European I championship of, of CONCACAF or the, the Copa America CONCACAF, um, 
and it's a cash cow. You know, it's always hosted by the U.S. <laughs> right, right. Uh, because we can draw huge uh, crowds from the various uh, immigrant communities of, of those countries, um, and the dollar is more, you know, stabler than the than the peso. Uh, you can charge a lot more for tickets. Um, and, you know, it's a competition I like because I do think it brings teams of various interesting styles together. You've got, you know, your Latin soccer, your Caribbean soccer, you, you know, your little Europeanish yeah. soccer with uh, you know, us and the Canadians. And um, I think it's a pretty colorful tournament. I love the Gold Cup. I really do. And by the way, your dog, has it been out? Because it's pacing behind you on the Zoom call there. I think it wants to go out with that whip that you have. We're on a Zoom call. I can see Mike's living room and his dog behind him. So uh, the dog doesn't look happy. He's like, dude, get off the get off the Zoom, getting, man. Getting a drink of water and going back to sleep. He's like my owner, man. He's obsessed with soccer. What's the deal, dude? Um, all right. So tonight, what are we looking at? What kind of team is Honduras? They're always interesting to watch. Um but uh, what kind of changes do you think we'll see? Probably in formations tonight, like, you know, Grail was talking about. Do we go to the classic 4-4-2 tonight? 3-5-2, um, 5-3-2, I don't, I don't, you know. It's been 4-3-3 or 5-3-2, I believe. I think those Well, it was tough two. to tell yeah. the other night. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I think maybe one of the issues is if you do what the, if you do the four in the back, if they're, you know, they're very intent on having the outside backs attack, which is, mm -hmm. which is a, right. you know, a good thing for years in soccer. Those are basically the only positions that weren't completely, you know, marked like crazy. So you bring your outside backs forward. Um, but I wouldn't mind seeing more attack out of the midfield and depending on both your outside backs to, you know, to, to attack. And, um, and I might, it, I don't want, I, I don't want to say, be, I don't want to like say I want to see cautious soccer because I don't. I really like the fact that, um, you know, Bear Halter goes out there and, and, and tries to attack and win. Um, but I think you can be shrewd about it too because the, uh, right. you know, the Hondurans, uh, the Hondurans uh, can really counterattack quickly. Yeah. So, all right. Well, um, uh, you know, look, the national team we watch with bated breath as things happen, the balance that you have to do between friendlies and, and people want results in friendlies, they get pretty harsh on it. Berhalter seems to be a bit, um, not oblivious, but just sort of like he doesn't, doesn't quite care, which I think is a good sign. Um, you I'll know, use that <laughs> phrase not to keep <laughs> which one? Oh, now he doesn't care. He, um, he, he certainly, I, I think he cares in a, in a, in a, in a smart kind of way. You know, I, I, if you listen to his, um, his interviews and his statements, he, he often seems to address what people are criticizing. Right. Um, right. And, 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 and even if you, even for those who don't agree with him and the times you don't agree with him, um, he does go out of his way to sort of explain what he's trying to do and, you know, address just different issues. Um, but, I, but you, what you're talking about is that he, he's confident that what he's doing is going to pay off. Right. And it's not going to panic I, in the middle of something, which now, whether he ends up working, whether this ends up working, we don't know. Um, mm. But I do think it's a crucial characteristic of a coach to have confidence in himself and and, and to have a, and a belief not not to be inflexible coaches have to be improvised and be flexible but you know the, the kind I, I i can think of coaches who you know, have a different idea every week 
Oh, right. like back in the late 90s, you know, or oh, this week it's that, next week it's this. And um, where you had coaches, oh, like, the, you know, the great coaches who I think, you know, really know what they think they want to do. Well, the, the good thing is I, I have seen progress. I have seen progress in these teams. We've always seen, you know, Grayley always talk about the Burhalter system, but I see uh, a more cohesive team, um, more ability there, more confidence. So I'm, I'm feeling good about things moving forward. It's just that I'd like to see it for 90 minutes, um, which is which is the tough part. You know, even watching a team like Liverpool press like that, it's uh, it's not always for 90 minutes that they can they can pull it off. So and um, and, and I, just quickly, Flinny, the quality of the players that have emerged have given Burhalter more flexibility to do some different things. Oh, sure, these are good think problems. About over the last 18 months, I mean, a lot of these guys have just kind of blossomed. So I think right. it's it's given them a chance to try some different things. Sam, you're young. Do you want to pipe in here and give us the give us the youth vote? Uh, yeah, um, Mike. So um, I like the color green. I want to talk about the New Deal. <laughs> what was that, you guys? So um, I, I hate to seem down on the Gold Cup overall. And you, not, you, not, Sam, oh, down? No. Sam, oh my God! Is it Gulliver? Win. We'll never make it, Gulliver. We're doomed, Gulliver. I'm not super down on it, but I, you know, there's been talk over the years about us eventually, you know, and, and all the North American teams being part of the Copa America. Do you, do you ever see that playing out and that tournament maybe expanding to at least 16, if not, you know, maybe 24 countries? I went to the first two Copa Americas that the U.S. took part in in 1993 with Bora Militinovic in Ecuador and then uh, on Steve Sampson when they finished fourth in Uruguay in, in 1995. Um, and then they believed they did it once more, twice more. Um, and then we had the Copa Centenario, which was, mm-hmm. you know, kind of combo. Um, I, assuming because it's that started and then it stopped is um means that it's not around the corner um and i i mean i the copa Centenario was a great tournament except for the you know the final but that happens in all tournaments um i and do think Bowl. that the copa america and the gold cup should only be once every four years um if you know you know they go the copa they're there's just too much, too many games. And then, of course, COVID is, um, you know, right, right now the Copa America, you know, they're changing venues. Uh, it's, it's, there's too much in flux, I think, to, to make any prediction about that. Um, I think it's in Brazil now. That's the latest, right? Yeah. yeah. But it's a good yeah. question in the sense that, you know, you can have this Nations League thing where you have to play your extra games against CONCACAF opponents um, and then basically play the same opponents. At the Gold Cup and then in World Cup qualifying, you know, it's, a lot of this stuff doesn't make sense, but we're, we're starting to get used to that. I mean, um, so much being just so many decisions just about money, you know. How about, how about a paragraph on each in Soccer America explaining to the American public? We follow this game all the time and it's like, you know, I go to your, you know, your... Uh... The soccer America is sort of figure out what's going on most of the time. It's interesting because people ask me sometimes, and I never have my elevator speech on each each one of the tournaments. I'm like, um, you know, World Cup I can pretty much cover, you know, but all these other ones it's, just, it's kind of convoluted. It's like yeah. youth soccer. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, you youth soccer exactly. You know, oh the, the, all the levels and clubs. So, Sam, you had a follow up, I guess, for Mike. Yeah, uh, looking at the Nations League finals that are coming up, um, 
you know, even though the U.S. are not technically the favorites to win this, given all that's been going on in the U.S. soccer world, all the hype surrounding the players in Europe right now, do you get the sense that for the greater soccer public at large, it would be seen as a pretty big disappointment if they didn't win this thing? Well, that's a good question again, but um, it's so it's hard to gauge, isn't it? Because with social media, you get more feedback, but you get more you know, hyper feedback, right? Like, and, and also, it, it, you know, it's a little harder to put oneself into the fan's shoes because, um, you know, I'm thinking of World Cup qualifying in the World Cup, right? I mean, if I, let's say I'm a more of a fan than a journalist, Am I going to be really upset if the U.S. doesn't win the CONCACAF Nations League? I don't know. I, I, yeah. I think I would be more concerned about World, World Cup qualifying. I think it would be an overreaction to uh, think it's horrible if the U.S. doesn't do that well, even though they've got these new young players. Because, you know, it's pretty, they're pretty young. I mean, you know, you get a starting lineup with, with what, seven guys who are 23 and younger. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's, I mean, not using that as an excuse. Other teams are young as well. And like I said, I, like I mentioned earlier in the show, other countries are getting better too. So, um, right. but yeah, no, the expectations are definitely higher and there, it would be disappointing, I suppose. You know. We're the U.S., man. We got to have high expectations. So sometimes they're not realistic and, and uh, sometimes they are. So uh, let's ask you this. It's been a couple of weeks out since the College Cup, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on that uh, about the College Cup, the place that you think it, it sort of holds in, um, in the development of players and, and where really, you know, college soccer is right now. I know we could do a whole show on that, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on it because we... Yeah, uh, I think the story that... Noonan on. Yeah, I think the story about college soccer right now is, is, it's, is uh, the dependence of its top teams on foreign players. It's pretty yeah. significant. I mean, um, I can't give you a, a percentage, but... Uh, I believe you're talking D1, like 30% international players. And, and, and Marshall, I believe, was Marshall, They had 10 out of 11, Mike. They had 10 out of 11. And it's uh, it's not always mentioned. Like, you guys do a great article on it. Uh, yeah. Um, and the, um, the only other national championship in college, um, besides the D1 women, because D1 and D3 got canceled. I mean, sorry, D2 and D3 got canceled because of COVID, was NAIA. Uh, which yeah. was won by Missouri Valley. They have a roster of 36 players with one American. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's, I mean, now NEI is different, obviously, than, and has always had a reputation for having, you know, a lot of foreign players, older players. They don't have any, you know, don't have a lot of regulations. Um, so I, I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing on the, on the college cup thing. And it's sort of, you know, it's nice to see Brazilians playing college soccer. Um, it is a sign, though, that your top of your top American products are, are just not going to college, right? Well, which is a problem that the NCAA should look at. Because, look, Mike, you know, we go back a ways. And it's like when I was in college, you played, let's say, Clemson. Clemson was mostly African players. I remember they were fantastic, but they were all, you know, um, not Americans. And I remember they used to play UConn. And UConn would try to put all American players out there. And I always, I always enjoyed that because American players got a chance. Um you know, so it's it seems it's changed completely now. Where you look at the you know look at team. Yeah, like Marshall, I, again, I don't know if it's it. a, I don't know if it's that important. Uh, depending on 
you know, what one's worried about or what one's thinking about. I think it's just very interesting and needs a closer look. And in one area is in the area of youth soccer, the youth soccer business, um, the youth soccer industrial complex, which is exactly, which is, which is so driven by college scouting. And you have like, you know, ECNL playing showcases in states that are spiking in COVID because they think these are so important. Or is it, are they so important? Does the coach need some money that, you know, that's what it was, you know, they're not that important. And, 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 and I brought it up because there's a, possibility is i mean are these kids really being scouted when the yeah. top college coaches are recruiting mainly foreign players dude dude yeah. how often does a coach walk by a field um see a player never heard of and recruit him for a d1 scholarship it's like right? that that's voice, not how it that works voice. but anyway the, 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 my point is that the the there you know it's a, just an interesting topic and you know how does that work is it kids who come from wealthier families that don't need a lot of financial aid and they boost you know at the low it's certainly then you know do they they boost the college coffers is it uh do do kids from foreign countries get government support from their own governments to study abroad so that lessens the scholarship burden on on the colleges um yeah certainly there have always been foreign um, players in college soccer and it's made college soccer better and better. I mean, think about USC teams, I mean, sorry, uh, University of San Francisco teams and, you know, um, but it's certainly a phenomenon at this point. Well, I think, you know, the NCAA has got to make, they're trying to do the split season, something, throw, throw college soccer, a bone, men's college you soccer. Mean, oh, you're talking so. about not in as far as the foreign situation, but in general, no, as far but, as the, yeah, I'm meaning like I feel like college soccer is starting to wane as far as being a viable way of developing players. It's a different way to go. It's an American way, which you get in education. Well, no, I mean that's happened. That's been happening a long, long time ago. I mean, you right. don't go to. It's very. It's and and it, there's a reason for that because it's an extension of youth soccer, mm -hmm. right? If once you're a junior in college, you're playing against younger players. Right. You're a freshman in college. You're playing against some older players. You're a 19, 18 year old in the pros. You're playing against or with or practicing with with 30 year olds. It's not a model. And then, like you said, the NCAA restrictions, which uh, you know, good people like Sasha Swarovski are, are trying to you know, fight for forever. Um, I think college soccer is is a great thing and, 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 and is, you know, overall gives kids opportunities that are extremely important um right that aren't necessarily I, on the pathway to become uh, national team players or pros i just don't think uh if you look at a basketball or football model big revenue driven sports i just don't think the ncaa has sort of changed uh with the times for for college soccer and i think it's it's just um you know they're not doing some of the things they should do. Like, I think, first of all, the split season, like you said, with Sasha, and you know, but if you need to talk about, and I've, I'm, I've never been against uh, a college team that has a mix of players. Like if you look at Noonan now and, and Clemson, they've got mostly American players. And then like, I think three foreign players. So it's sort of, uh, you know, a nice, a nice mix, but I don't know. So all right, let's, let's move on. Let's talk about the Euros, your predictions and uh, your dark course. The what? Your dark horse. <laughs> who, who you think your dark? Is that? Can you even say that, that term? Anymore? I don't know. It's like, 
the, the Euros, and uh, we're going to miss Bob Lee's voice on the not being on the Euros this time around. But uh, but we're going to have to watch so, him anyway. So we've got the Nations League, the Gold Cup, the Copa America <laughs> Championship. Um, yeah. We're going to have three spare hours say? off. <laughs> well, I, look, I tell you, I was thinking Belgium all, all along and then uh, De Bruyne getting hurt like that. I mean, that was a, a hell of a collision there. Um, broke his orbital bone, I think, and his nose. So um, he's he's out. Uh, well, he'll, yeah, he'll be back. He'll miss the beginning of the tournament, but they're expecting him to make some of it, hopefully. Yeah, but you know, Grail, as a former player, uh, the mighty mighty of the midfield, as it I've, were, you, you come back from an injury and yeah. you First of all, the injury hampers how you play. And then also sure. you're not back in the groove like you are. And um, De Bruyne, man, he strokes that ball better than I anybody. Bro- I broke my nose five times playing soccer and it's no fun. So oh, it's not, but, but I also, but I also like France. I, you know, France is, I mean, they're the world cup champions. So you got to give them yeah. the, certainly. Yeah, the, uh, you got England and Scotland in the same group, which is yeah. interesting. Um, Good. Scott. Uh, you know who I'll be rooting for, and I know Grail will be rooting for the English uh, <laughs> <Eddie> <laughs> Irish Catholic kid who's rooting for the English. So and I always bring politics the, into it, Mike. Go ahead. Well, you got the crazy group, Group F, right? Because you got France, Germany, Portugal, and Hungary, which I believe happened must have happened because Germany was playing for poorly, right? That they weren't seated, right? right? But that's because you have that group, and then you got the uh, that's the, our friends, the Swiss. Um, and it looks like a relatively easy. Well, you know, no, not really. That, that that German group is a is a true group of death. Now everybody says they're in the group of death. Every every team's like we're in the group of death. Everybody says they're in the group. But, but of that'll death. be interesting because this is Yergi Lowe's swan song. So will they get up for it and you know send them off in in a, in great fashion, or will they just be kind of like thinking about Hansi Flick coming in and taking over after uh, this. We are, just, we are just playing another game. The Euro's 24 teams now, so like a group of death like that isn't yeah, really right, as yeah. such because you know yeah, they can yeah. all advance. I'm, yeah, I'm, thanks for pointing that out because, I mean, I've always thought that tournaments should be set up with the right number of groups so only two out of the four ever go through. Yeah, for sure. Right. right. Um, that whole third place thing means you can tie your way through um yeah i know it's kind of interesting that it just sort of catches you off guard a little bit because of covid throwing off everything and then um i think that they've been showing some of the older games on tv which is neat um yeah. in that 60 minute format which <laughs> really good yeah it tightens things up yeah they tighten um, it up for you so. well let's see i would say that um I have no idea who <laughs> I can, I can actually smell your, on. <laughs> I smell your brain burning from here, Mike. I'm looking forward to a little, a nice, nice summer of soccer. I really am watching yeah. some, some games. So um, uh, who are your predictions guys? I guess grail, who are you looking for? I'm going France, Belgium, France. England. I mean, those are my three top teams in any particular order. I, Germany, you go way I out on a limb there. Uh, no, you I just figure. No, no, I put Germany up there, but I just figure that there's so many things going on with Germany right now that. Uh, well, that it's like the Lineker quote: "You never, you know, you never count the Germans out ever." So, Sam, no. what about you? I think Spain could kind of be a sneaky pick. Yeah, they have cool. a lot of good players, and they're a little bit under the radar right now. Yeah. So, I think that's a good place to be. All right, good stuff. All right, um, I'm going for Belarus. 
That's who I'm. That's my dog. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> right. Bad stuff going on there. All right, Mike. So what do you got before we leave? What are, so tonight? What are we looking for? We're just looking for change of formation, the full ninety minutes. Are we looking at new players? What are we looking for tonight? I think it, it, it'll be interesting because it's not a friendly, like like you said. Yeah. Um, you know, you, we've had so many. And the Swiss game was like the first game they played against a you know pretty much a top ranked team. So. Um, the, the playing playing in a um, you know in a in a competitive game that, that that does mean something you get to you know possibly play Mexico two days later um, and how they react to that um, and then right. the, and then the back line you know um, don't don't um, don't get lackadaisical and 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 you know they need to figure out Brooks was supposed to be the guy who uh, was the best and and you know he had he had I think a, not a great game so. No, yeah, and that was in your ratings too. I and I agree with it. I just think he just sort of was kind of phoning it in a little bit. So hopefully this will put a little bit of a fire under my. You know, I'm going to watch what happens in the back. And you know, uh, you, you gave Reina a good score, and I agree with that. I like the way he plays. He gets, seems to get a little frustrated at times, um, and uh, gets kind of knocked around a little bit. So um, I'd like to, to see that change. We'll see what happens. And Ethan Horvath, I thought, played well in the back. Man, made some great saves. He really did. And he played well with his feet. I think better, better did, with yeah. his feet, better composure than, uh, than Zach. Zach always gets me a little worried. Yeah, well, he doesn't. You know, goalkeepers, every goalkeeper I knew was like, what are you passing it back to me for, man? Man, he's, like, he's, he's playing with Ederson, for God's sakes. He should just be like – being tutored well, by, by Ederson. well, he is because Ederson's the best guy with his feet in the world. I'm sure he is, but it's yeah. uh, it takes a little while. He's actually playing better with his feet than he was. But uh, look, it's the modern game. So, all right, Mike. Well, we love the stuff that you do over at Soccer America. We uh, always check it out uh, all week to figure out what's going on to to make sense of all the tournaments and teams and formations. If you want to go to one place, go to Soccer America. Uh, senior editor Mike Wittola, Thanks for uh, waking up early and joining us on Over the Ball. Oh, totally my pleasure. Great to, great to see you and hear you guys. And uh, I look forward to checking in after some of these many competitions. <laughs> hey, remember to tweet us at Over the Ball, like us on Facebook and Instagram, and write a review. In fact, make us one of your favorites. It makes a big difference. All right, always great to talk to Mike, but I think, guys, we stumped him on that uh, who's your favorite for the Euros and then yes. your dark horse. He I just... Was, yeah. He just acted like he had. We were take, giving him the SATs. The soothsayer decided to like go into a closet on that one. I wasn't <laughs> sure what happened. <laughs> and you, you still feel Belgium even with De Bruyne out? I mean, I, I, I think they have a lot of talent. As I uh, said, Belgium. France, I know you're like this is so easy. way to go out on a limb grail, but Belgium, France, and England. I, you know, England has a lot of good talent too. Yeah, but they always eat it in the big tournaments. But they don't act like they always it, but find they just... a way to. They always find a way to find misery. I'm a little exactly. down on Belgium just because at the World Cup, Azard was such an X factor and he's really yeah. kind of fallen off the map. True. I mean, that said, Lukaku has really, you know, just on, had man. an incredible season. But and, and Courtois no playing much, but Courtois really kind of found his game again in goal, mm. you know. Yeah. So they've got they've got good guys in the back. So. It's funny Van how Dijk's keepers Dutch, so. yeah. Oh, oh sorry. yeah, sorry, my bad. Um you get I'm an American. We get to all this. Europe is an excellent country. Uh, no, so it's funny to watch goalkeepers come out of form, isn't it? Because like De Gea, you know, was the was the top keeper in the world, and suddenly, yeah, Allison becomes the top keeper in the world, and De Gea sort of loses form, and he's uh, he's the number two at Man U. Yeah, um, 
you know, and then it ha- then I just feel like it, and then it just kind of happens very quickly, like it did to um, Casillas, yeah. who was just so good for so long, and then like one year he just it just unraveled. Do we do we know publicly. how old De Gea is? What is uh, he's probably mid maybe thirty early 30, three right? thirty three would be my guess. Yeah. So as a keeper, that's not old, you know. That's yeah. uh, you're hitting your prime, I think. But um, I don't know. Maybe it's just a head game. Manchester United have, have had a lot of ups and downs. I think looking back, they've got to be happy with the season that they had. So um, yeah. anyway, so I thought it was interesting. Mike didn't quite have uh, a quick answer for that, but um, Grail, you you uh, really got out on a limb there with the France. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> well. But he, but he Belgium. did, but he did explain your gold cup and Concacaf questions. So I know, I know, there but is. I have a tendency to glaze over when that stuff comes. I up. do want a chart. I, I think we need almost like an astrological chart to explain all the tournaments that go on. I mean, there is, is there is a, a simple answer which I feel like he gave, which is there's yeah. just too many tournaments. Too yeah. many tournaments. Yeah, basically the main takeaway. Yeah, yeah. And now, if if they do write an article explaining all the different tournaments and like a big a pie, big pie chart or something that they had. Uh, we could we could figure it out. Something I do like Champions League though, going to a, a knockout format in the semis and, and cutting back on the home and away games and then doing it all within a week. I like that. That that format worked a year ago at Champions League in Porto, and I think it could work. Yeah, moving forward. All right, good stuff. So, Sam, you got a quiz for us today, or what do we get? Yeah, I got a little quiz. Uh, Euro based, um, looking ahead to the tournament. And I was wondering, Kevin. First off, do you have a horse in this race? There's no Ireland, so who are you? Who are you getting? I'm not, into? No, I'm not a big Ireland fan. I'm You're not. You know. Okay. Um, no, I'd like to see Spain do well again. Uh, you know, it's so funny. They just dominated, uh, you know, at a high level for so long, and then just whoosh, that that great, crazily talented generation. Uh, but you know, you look at all these other, you know, uh, Thiago, you know, from Liverpool doesn't even doesn't even get on the pitch a lot of times for Spain. I mean, that's how talented they, they are. Have some so, good, really young yeah. players, really great too, players. That we don't you know? see much, yeah. Yeah. And this is a, a problem with great teams sometimes when players age out and these big tournaments. Boy, you need a lot of energy. You need to be young, man. We see that with the World Cup. It it changes. The old pros have a tendency to be sort of past pretty quickly is ramos do you know if ramos is fit uh, sam is no i don't think he's in the team i think it's the first time ever that okay i know P- in pk has... is out because pk had basically said he's not playing internationally yeah. anymore so yeah oh wow so uh i was like actually my question this week was going to be who are americans supporting in this tournament i thought that would be kind of an interesting cool. thing to look up but i could not find any information on that so oh, sorry Wow, oh, it's that you think of you have a fire going on? <laughs> That's what you get for not finding out information on that, Sam. The siren. Yeah. The <laughs> I I would guess my up. guess would be that most Americans are supporting England, uh, simply because they follow the Premier League uh, closely. And I bet Germany. Know, I bet a players. fair amount of Germany too. Possible. Well, I'll try to find that out yeah. in a future show. Yeah. Anyway, here yeah. here's the quiz for this week. Uh, who are the top three favorites to win the tournament? And all these odds that are I'm going to be throwing at you are from DraftKings. Wow. I guess uh, you'd have to go with Grail's picks there. I'm Except going England. with France, England, and uh, I'm going to go with your pick, actually, Sam. Spain. I'm going to go with France, England, Spain. Okay. Kevin? 
I think of France, Spain, Germany. Oh, wait, oh, wait, wait, no, I'm sorry. Can I put Belgium in there? I forgot them. France, England, Belgium, excuse okay. me. Without, it, without De Bruyne, I don't know. Yeah, that yeah, little okay. passing machine. In All the right, field. You, you're correct, uh, Grail. It's France at five to one is the favorite. England at five and a half to one are the second favorite. And Belgium at six to one are the third favorite. Um, yet, interestingly, and this must have to do with how the draw lines up, the most likely final odds wise is Belgium, England. So, uh, okay, who are the two teams with the longest odds? Right, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on, let's Sorry. go back for a second. Go on. Who who does this? Who is DraftKings? Is that English? This is DraftKings. That American? No, no it's, American. it's international. Yeah, yeah. Because right, I think I think it started I, here though, right? Yeah, it did start here. DraftKings and uh, and FanDuel. Oh, you think England's going to do that well? I don't. I don't know. I but, guess I'm just, you know, yeah. yeah Again, I don't think they're just, gonna do that well. I mean, they're just bookies coming up with odds. You know? Well, they're usually, they're so, I mean, it's amazing. I am always amazed at how close they are to games. Like, it's amazing. Hmm. NBA games and, and NFL games. What was so, the next I'm just one? Surprised that, just surprised England's up that much. So, yeah. Um, uh, so, who are the two teams with the longest odds to win the tournament coming in at 500 to one? Oh, my God. I made that Belarus joke, but I don't think they're even in it. Are they? Um, let's say the longest. I don't Greece, even have Greece. Greece. And. I can actually hear. Greece. I don't know. Who qualified. I don't even know if Greece qualified. Actually, I'm not even giving this one a ghost. I'm not sure. Uh, this I'm is this sure. is this is a really hard one. So it's Hungary and North Macedonia. At oh God, so I was they, this close to North Macedonia. Uh, well, I was going to say South South Macedonia. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. They're the big time underdogs. Uh, right. Okay, which team is the no favorite? Kidding. <laughs> okay, which oh, sorry, which two teams are the co-favorites to receive the most cards? Gotta be an easy. I'm going to say Croatia and England. No, well, okay, you go with that. You go with England. I'm going oh, with Croatia and Italy. I'd say Italy and England. Okay, so it's actually England and France, both at seven to one. Ooh. And I think what you have to take into consideration here is they're expecting these teams to go deep into the tournament, Deeper. which simply means they'll play oh, more games good, and pick good, up more cards. Good. That makes sense. If uh, if we're talking yellows per game you're probably closer with the Italy pick, I would say. Yeah, and I also think the Eastern European teams have a bit of an edge. True. Yeah. Uh, okay, who are the co-favorites for top goal scorer? Favorites for Lewandowski Harry and Kane. Harry Kane. Grail? I'd go with that. Grail, once again, is going way out on a limb with those two. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, it's just an informed <laughs> guess. Come on. Okay, How about Harry? your boy Giroud? Starts putting the ball in the back of the net. Boy, it was terrible to watch him just sitting on the bench there. Yeah. Uh, I was like, make what do you got, Sam? Citizen. Harry, Harry Kane is correct. Um, Lewandowski is not, however. And okay. someone I mentioned earlier, it's Lukaku. At oh, both at, okay. Both at seven to one odds. To well, those, are two, those are two strikers with really quality teams. I think Lewandowski's got a lot of, you know, yeah, I think that's a lot of heavy lifting. Yeah, yeah, that's true. the problem. Yeah. So, because, okay. All right, uh, okay. Well, I'm not quite done. Yeah. Who's the favorite for most assists in the tournament? De Bruyne. Still, you're still going with De Bruyne. Or he's, in, he's, in, the, he's, in, the, he's an assist machine. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, but 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 this may one have, wheel off right no, now. No, but 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 Flinny, this may have this may have happened before De Bruyne's injury. I don't know what the timing is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, I look the time this of morning. us talking right okay. now. Okay, is, I'm still gonna say De Bruyne. Okay, whatever. Grail. Or sorry, Kevin. Uh, who would be a, be a Spanish midfielder? Who would be in there? I don't know. 
I'll save you. Uh-huh. It is De Bruyne at eight to one. Uh, well, that's going to change. That's going to change. Well, we'll see. He's, yeah, he's we'll not see. playing. I don't think so. Okay, I'm right. Grail's wrong. Who's usual. the favorite for player of the tournament? Uh, I'd say uh, Lukaku. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get. This is. This is just a wild. Th- this. This is not the right answer. But I'm gonna go out there on a limb because you said I haven't been Phil Foden. I like that prediction, but no way. He's a great player. (laughs) He is. He is. I like him. It's actually um, Mbappe from France, obviously. Okay. Uh, Despite him not being uh, a top, you know, favorite for most assists or most goals. Um, Okay. Last question Who are the co favorites for young player of the tournament? Young player means age 22 or younger. Interestingly, Mbappe is 22, but because they think he's going to be the player of the tournament. He's ah, not included in can't this, be this Wow, I have no idea. Maybe you like your Foden is a good one. Good choice is, there, yeah, too. Yeah, Foden's, Foden's young, young, very young. Or Mount. Maybe Mount. Mount oh, I love the way two. he plays. It's two. I love the It's two what? Two no, I know, no, no. I'm, oh, I'm okay, just throwing out one at a time. Mount. Okay. <laughs> Mount is one. Okay. And I don't know who else is uh, under is under the age group. Mason Mount, boy, and um, I'm not sure. Kevin, you got one funny. Uh, I'd say Foden and Mount, two English guys. Okay, yeah, it's Foden and Mount at five to one. There you go. Well done. Oh, look at that. Yeah, yeah. see, hey guys, and I just want to give a shout. You know, let me go back to the Champions League for just a minute. Grail, we played in the midfield. What a player! What a class act, Nagolo Conte. Was. Oh man, Un- unbelievable! Just workhorse, like. Workhorse, but clean, never, yeah. never, nothing dirty, never yeah. after the fact, never tackle, never complains, never. Yeah. It's just such a, a a wonderful player to watch, and boy, he just he just uh, covers a lot of ground. Just covers man. a ton Holy of ground. Smokes. Interceptions, great. He does tackle. a lot of dirty work too. A lot of the dirty yeah. work. Absolutely, yeah, I agree. I couldn't agree more. He was the be- He was the man of the match. I thought. Yeah, and it is yeah. with France, with with Leicester, with Chelsea. Yeah, 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 definitely the man of the match. But and just such a a, a great interview, and just so it just he never once mentioned himself right. in this age of the Sports Center highlight as we were talking about earlier. He just constantly said, "The team has worked so hard. We have worked so hard. We are so proud. We, 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 we." Mm-hmm. It's just awesome. So yeah, uh, so, I'm with you. Know, props out to Nicola Conte, man. Um, I mean, I don't know if he's up for a contract, but Chelsea's got a hold on to him, man. Yeah. Telling you, he's, he's something. All right, boys. Uh, anything else before we get going here? Yeah, just really quickly, guys. I just wanted to make a, that one observation as fellow players is that that play that Rudiger did on Kevin De Bruyne that we've been referencing was a very dirty play. The, the, the pick, it was like a classic, almost like a blind pick. And uh, he knew what he was doing. And I, you know, he's look, I'm a Chelsea supporter, but I just thought it was, it, uh, it, it should have been, they should have reviewed it on VAR because they didn't, the ref didn't see it from a good angle. And if they'd reviewed it, um, it was borderline like sending off. I'm not saying straight red card like Martinez, but it was, it All was, right. a, it was a cheap shot. Well, I, you know, I've seen defenders do that. They'll stand in front of the player. Now, if you put an elbow up or a, you know, or a headbutt, a shot, but shoulder, it's like to break an orbital bone. Is a, I mean, that's unfortunate. That's really unfortunate. Yeah. In fact, I didn't think it was as big of a deal as it was until I saw it in slow motion. So I don't think Rudiger meant that. Defenders step in front of a, a breakaway player all the time. Uh, yeah. It's just so unfortunate because just we love 
the way to Bruyne plays. And yeah. uh, that was just really unfortunate for, for well, Man City. One last point from a, a Champions League fouling perspective. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like we were very close to seeing Zach Steffen in this game uh, on the Havertz goal yeah. when Ederson came out of the box. Like that ball clearly hit his hand. And I don't a raised, know. I mean, a raised hand. A raised hand. Yeah. Too. And I, I mean, you know, you would play the advantage, I think think in that yeah. situation I, I don't have a clarification on this but. i think it could have gone either way sam i thought at that point though that ederson was actually playing him more like a defender than a goalkeeper and he came out and made tried to make a defensive play on it you, i mean he purposely tried mm-hmm. not to clip him because he knew yeah. that if he took him down you know he's red card and it's probably and penalty. But his hands went up yeah. and his hands came back down. I, so I thought it was I thought it was accidental that it hit his hand and uh, yeah. but yeah fair fair point. It I mean I, I could I could see a universe where if Havertz had not scored that that, yes. that could have gotten reviewed and Ederson would have gotten sent off and that yeah. would have been pretty epic been to see Stefan coming in. Very cool. Yeah. Exactly. And then your American thing would have paid off there. Sam we would have had an American <laughs> yeah. that that point five percent or something you thought it was going to be suddenly he's in there. So yeah. that's the game we love man all that stuff happens and uh, yeah, it changes yeah. it right away like uh like Salah getting hurt in the champions league final you know years ago it's like that uh, changes everything right away so yeah all right boys good stuff uh again uh why don't i just push my shows again like we mentioned like bill maher i'm gonna be yeah go ahead bill. go ahead bill where are you Borgata? gonna be caesars in tahoe and <laughs> no that's in march that's in okay. march. i'm gonna be at the i'm gonna be at the borgata in atlantic city June 13th and 14th and then 17, 18, 19. So uh, come on out. Uh, I'll, I usually say I'm, they usually introduce me actually with my sex in the city background and then over the ball. I make them do over the ball because I open up with some soccer stuff. And I go, how many people have uh, heard over the ball? By the way, that's kind of like Spinal Tap where they had the marquee that said puppet show and Spinal Tap. As well. All right. Well, maybe I'll do that. I'll start doing puppets. I'll be like, uh, I'll be like Carrot Top. All right, everybody. That's all the time we have today on Over the Ball uh, for Sam Griswold and Grail Hallett. I'm Kevin Flynn, and we'll talk to you next time on OTV.